0: Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. If this is your first time, I want to give such a warm welcome to you. Come on Hills, let's give them a warm welcome. Uh, we're so excited that you've joined us today. Uh, we've had, uh, I'm so excited because I get to uh, wrap up our, our series on Devoted and uh, wrap up our three weeks of prayer and fasting. Who's enjoyed the last three weeks? Both the messages and the fasting. Um, (laughs) We've had some great messages. Uh, Week one, we had Pastor Andrew Staggs, uh, and he spoke on uh, how we should be devoted to God's Word. And that's so true. I've heard that if you teach someone to love the Word, they will fall in love with the Jesus of the Bible, And that person they cannot fall out of love with. Week two, we had Pastor Sanjeev. Uh, He preached on being devoted to relationships. And I know that we've just come out of this such a tumultuous time that we need to be devoted to relationships. We can be surrounded by so many people but feel so alone. We need people in our life that we can do life with. We can be there for each other. And be transparent with. And then last week, Pastor Miles, our lead pastor, uh, spoke on being devoted to Jesus. And uh, who knows how important that is. That is why we are here. We are a Christian church. Christian means little Christ or Christ follower. Uh, The crux of our religion is Christ. Crux literally comes from the word meaning cross. Cross, the crux, the middle, the cross is the centre. Jesus needs to be our centre. And then today we have Anointing Sunday. Uh, and if you don't know what uh, Anointing Sunday is, do not worry. I I will be uh, speaking on what that means, what that what that's going to look like, and then we're going to step into a time of anointing. But we're going to jump into the Book of Luke, uh, and I love the Book of Luke because. Uh, it's it's like the prequel to the book of Acts or the sequel to, or Acts is the sequel to the book of Luke. Uh, It was actually originally one book written by Luke. Who would have thought it? Uh, It was written by Luke. It's one book and actually uh, most people would say that Paul wrote most of the New Testament. But if we're talking about volume, if we're talking about word count, Luke actually wrote most of the New Testament. Um, And the thing that I love about uh, the book of Luke slash Acts is that in Acts, we see the birth of the church. We see the Holy Spirit come down and fill His people. So in the book of Luke, there's actually a lot more talking a lot more reference to Holy Spirit, to the power of Holy Spirit, because what Luke is doing is he wants to set us up to understand what's about to take place in the book of Acts. He wants to set us up so when we read Acts 2, when we read about the upper room, about Pentecost, we know what's going on, and we know Holy Spirit is real, and He will fill us. So let's jump into into Luke 4. So basically what's been going on is Jesus, He's I've been baptised in the Jordan. Uh, When He came out of the Jordan, uh, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit fell on Him like a dove. And then in Luke 4.1, it says that full of the Spirit, He went out and was guided by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days of uh, temptation by the enemy. 40 days of prayer and fasting. Praise the Lord, we only went through 21 days. Um, But then on the other side, He came out of the 40 days and we pick the story up in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about Him went out through all the surrounding country, and He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And He came to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. And as was His custom, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I love this. Luke is saying, Jesus went to church every week, If you want to be like Christ, go to church every week. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty... Those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What a powerful scripture! But before we go into it, let's pray. Lord, we just uh, lift you up. I pray that as I speak, that it is not my words, but it is your words that is coming out of my mouth. I pray that none of your words fall on deaf ears, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, you translate my words, even when I, 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 I don't know what to say. It is you who is speaking, Lord, and you translate the words into the hearts and minds of everybody in this room. Fill this space, Lord, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, I heard that. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> so good. So what is the anointing? What is the anointing? What, is, what does it mean to be anointed? What does the word anoint mean? Um, this word can be thrown around quite a lot, especially in charismatic or Pentecostal churches like our own. Uh, and sometimes it can be thrown around perhaps carelessly that it can actually be quite confusing to a lot of people. I know for me, when I started hearing this word anointed, anointing, I was like, what do you mean? Like I heard things like, you need to be anointed. We need the anointing. That worship leader is so anointed. You know what? This is one that gets me. That song is anointed. I'm like, did you put oil on the song? How are you putting oil on a song for it to be anointed? I was so confused. I didn't know what was going on. And I feel like there's a lot of great explanations around the anointing. Uh, Pastor Phil Pringle calls the X Factor Uh, Dr. O Roberts calls it uh, divine energy. Rodney Howard Brown calls it supernatural equipment. Uh, And one of my favourite ones, uh, Pastor Andrew Staggs, calls it special sauce. (laughs) Man, (laughs) aren't they two words you wanna hear after 21 days of fasting? Special sauce. When I was writing this message, I was hungry. Let me tell you that. I was like, I just want a burger. Uh, and even during the week, uh, my wife, she's pregnant. She's due in like two weeks. Uh, so she's obviously not fasting food. But, in, in husbands, you know, if you have a pregnant wife, you get what she asks for, right? So we will out And she's like, I want a burger. I'm like, of course you do. (laughs) So we went out, went to Grilled, and I sat there with my phone trying to block the view of what was going on behind. And she was just demolishing this burger. And I was like, all I want today is a burger. So I'll probably go to Grilled or somewhere... Even McDonald's, uh, maybe not McDonald's, let's be honest. Okay, anyway, I want a burger, but special sauce, right? Uh, X-Factor, supernatural equipment, divine energy. What we hear about these words, what they're trying to lead to is that it's not something that we can have on our own. It is something outside of us that is placed within inside of us. Uh, my favourite uh, description or explanation of the anointing is by RT Kendall, because it is so simple. The anointing is the power Of the Holy Spirit. That is it. It's not the Holy Spirit. All believers, when they believe in Christ, it says in the New Testament that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, we are filled, but the anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament. The word anoint means to smear. It's a weird word. I prefer anoint. But that's that's what it means. It means to smear, to put oil upon. And we see this time and time again when people are stepping into or about to step into a higher office. It might be a kingship or a priesthood or, or the prophet, uh, the sons of the prophet. That if you're stepping into being a king or a priest or a prophet, this is when you would be anointed. This is when you'd be set apart. And we see this in uh, 1 Samuel uh, 16, 13. Uh, when the, the prophet Samuel is given the task of finding the second king of Israel, he's gone out into Israel, he's looking, he finds a tribe, he finds a family, he finds the youngest, smallest uh, child, David. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day day forward. What we're seeing here is that there is a physical and a supernatural component to the anointing. There was the physical when he was anointed with the actual oil, but then there was a supernatural component where the Holy Spirit rushed upon him from that day forward, it says. So he had it until he died. So when we are anointed, we are actually set apart for divine use, that's the physical, and empowered to fulfill the divine task, right? We are set apart for divine use and empowered by God to fulfill a divine task. So when we are anointed, we are set apart and we are empowered. That is what the anointing is. And every single person in this room has the same divine task, the same divine purpose, the same divine calling, the same Divine will of God. Because He knows each and every single one of you. He knows the hairs that are upon your head. He knows when you are sitting down, when you are standing up. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Nobody in this room is a mistake. Nobody in this room isn't here for a reason. God has called you, and God has and God will set you apart and God will empower you for his divine task. That is what we are called for. And we see this in, in Luke 4 with Jesus. So he, He's uh, baptised in the water, then the Holy Spirit fills Him. And then in Luke 4, 1, it says He is full of the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 14, it says He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So full, guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And only then does He say God has Anointed me, God had set him apart for a divine purpose and empowered him to fulfil that task. So what is it? 1 John 3.8. He, he was sent to destroy the works of the enemy. That was his divine task. He came down to live a perfect life, to, to die for our sins on the cross and then rise again that we might live with him in eternity. That was his divine will. But while he was on earth, while he was uh, in his ministry, he was able to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. He operated in the gifts of teaching. When he taught, people said, I've not heard teaching like this. He has an authority like nobody else. He operated in the gift of prophecy. He told his disciples multiple times that he would be handed over to the religious leaders and die, that the temple would be demolished and he would raise it up again in three days. He operated in the gifts of healing. As we sung about before, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He gave sight back to the blind. He healed a beggar. When a woman touched just the hem of his garment, she was healed. He also uh, operated in the gifts of deliverance. He sent uh, demons into a flock of pigs. He, um, He sent out seven demons. He delivered seven demons from Mary Magdalene. But he did none of this until... He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He did none of this until he was full empowered and guided by the Holy Spirit. And and you might be thinking okay well that's Jesus he's God. But we see it throughout the Old Testament with, with David. We see it with, with Gideon. We see it time and time again. But then we also see it in the New Testament. In Luke 9.1, Jesus sends out His disciples. He gives them power and authority to cast, out the, to cast out all demons and to cure diseases. And He sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And then in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on the upper room, They were filled, they were able to go out, proclaim, and they'll go out to heal. And then through all of Acts, we see this time and time again, that people were filled by the presence of God, by the anointing, so they could go out and fulfil His divine will. But in Acts 19, we actually see uh, uh, an instance where uh, some people tried to work outside of the anointing, tried to work outside of uh, the power of God. Uh, in Acts 19, we, we see the story of the sons of Sceva, right? They saw what Paul was doing. They saw the miracles he was performing. They saw uh, demons being delivered. They saw all of these things happening. And they were like, I want that. But instead of coming under the anointing, instead of being filled with the power, they tried to do it in their own power. And in verse 13, It says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, see, they they knew that there was a supernatural realm and a physical realm. They knew, they didn't quite understand it, but they knew that it was there. So these exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus who Paul proclaims. Not we proclaim, but Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, "Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you?" And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This is what it looks like when we try and work outside of the will of God, outside of the power of God, outside of the anointing. And you might not be going out and just delivering people from demons. You might be just trying to proclaim the gospel in your workplace. You might be, it might be in your family, it might be in your university, in your college. Wherever it is, wherever you're fulfilling your divine purpose, we need the anointing. Because if we try and work outside of it, we will be left naked and wounded. Maybe not physically, but spiritually naked, emotionally wounded. Because we are not covered by His power. Because we are not working in His strength, we are working in our own strength. We need the anointing. And we need the anointing. What is our divine task? Well, Jesus tells us in Luke 4, He has anointed me to proclaim the good news. That is number one. We are to proclaim the good news. What is the good news? That we, we are sinners Yep, just bear with me. Good news, starting with we're sinners. We are sinners, separated from our Creator, but He has sent His Son back to earth to, to die on the cross for our sins, to, be a, to take the punishment that we cannot pay for. And then He rose again on the third day that we may live forever. That is the good news that is the Gospel, and we should be proclaiming it to the ends of the earth. If, if we have the keys to eternal life, why aren't we telling other people? If we have access to God, why aren't we showing people? We need the anointing. We need to be proclaiming the Gospel to the ends of the earth. This denomination was originally called Christian Outreach Centre. It is us going out to the world. And it has, been the same, it has been the same calling from Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. When He was ascended back to heaven, you know what He said? He said, go out into all the nations and make disciples. We are to proclaim the good news every single day of our lives. We are to call people home that the Holy Spirit may enter them and renew their life back to Jesus. We are to proclaim the Gospel. And the second one, is to set at liberty those who are oppressed. We do not have the ability to heal, only Jesus. But He's called us to partner with Him that the power can run through us to heal others. And I've seen a dead man come back to life. And that kind of ruins your theology when you don't believe in miracles. But... (laughs) It happens. God's power works through you and into other people. We are it might be a physical oppression, it might be a spiritual oppression, it might be a mental, emotional oppression, whatever it is, we are to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And this has always been the case. When Jesus was filled with the power of the Spirit, He went out, proclaimed the Gospel, and then He healed. When He sent out His disciples in Luke 9, He said, proclaim the Gospel and heal. When in uh, Mark 16, He ascended back to heaven, what did He say? Proclaim the Gospel and signs and wonders will follow and people will be healed. When Peter was waiting in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost and He was infilled, what did He do? He went out. Proclaimed the gospel, 3,000 were added. He went to the temple, and what happened? He was healed. That is the normal life of a spirit filled believer. This is normal activity to proclaim the gospel and to heal. And what I love about this is as we go out, as we proclaim the Gospel, what we are doing is we are bringing heaven to earth. When Jesus taught us how to pray, pray heaven on earth. As we proclaim the Gospel, as we spread the kingdom, it goes out, it goes forth and it surrounds and the heaven is expanded on earth. And as we do this, there'll be more miracles, there'll be more healings, there'll be more breakthroughs. And As we step closer, as we step closer, we are stepping closer to revival. And I do not want to throw that word around willy-nilly, but I believe we are so close. I believe we are on the cusp of revival in this great nation. I believe that we are on the cusp of seeing a great outpouring in this nation like we've never seen before. Smith Wigglesworth prophesied it 100 years ago, and it is coming. And that's why it excites me when I hear things like outpourings and awakenings happening around the world. And uh, some of you may know, but we've been hearing some uh, very exciting things happening from a little university in Kentucky, Asbury Theological College. So, if, if you are unsure uh, what that is or what has been going on, is uh, three Wednesdays ago uh, they had their normal uh, Wednesday chapel, and then it ended, and kids went back to class. But there was a couple of students that just felt that they needed to stay. They needed to stay, seek God worship Him and pray. And then as other classes ended, students came back in and it snowballed. Hours turned into a day, turned into multiple days, turned into a week, turned into multiple weeks. It was non-stop worship, repentance, prayer and glorification of our King. Now, I'm not saying that after this, that's what's going to happen right? But what was going on there is that their, their chapel, it was full. Once it got full, they then had to open other rooms, other overflow rooms. They opened, I think it was three more rooms, which then they were filled. And then once they were filled, they then had a screen just outside in the middle of the campus there for people to join in to this outpouring that was happening in Asbury. And we don't know exactly how many, how many people were there, but they believe at one time there was about 10,000 people worshipping. And over the entirety of the time that it was going on, they believe there was about 100,000 people that came from around the world to witness and to participate in this outpouring. Now, obviously, it wasn't the same people for the whole time because that would be very tiring. They came in, they came out, but... It went for 15 days and they they closed it uh, last Thursday. But the day they closed it on was the 200th anniversary of the collegiate day of prayer. What they finished on was a prayer that God would start a revival in universities, that God would reach this generation, that His presence might go out into other generations and flow on forever. And now what we've seen is that other universities have tacked on. Other universities have seen an outpouring. We saw it at Lee University in Tennessee. We then saw it at Samford University and at Alabama. Now, I don't expect you to know where any of these universities are, but uh, the distance from, uh, from Asbury all the way down to Samford is about the distance from Canberra to Melbourne. That is is what has been going on. The more universities are seeing an outpouring. We've also heard stories of other churches um, having these outpourings. And uh, we've actually got a, a little clip about uh, from what was going on. And I, just, I wanna show it because I just want you to see what was going on. And it, when I watched uh, not, uh, well, this clip and a few other clips, I could feel the anointing. I could feel the power of the Holy Spirit coming through the screen. So let's look to the screen as we watch. On, how amazing is that? Come on. And what we see there, what we can see is it's not flashy. There's no one worship leader, there's no one preacher. It is raw, authentic worship, prayer, repentance uh, before the throne of God. And they saw salvations, they saw miracles, and they saw all these things. And what we saw was people being redevoted to Jesus. People being redevoted to the word and people being redevoted to relationships. We are to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, and we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. But we cannot do any of this without the anointing. We need the anointing. So as the band comes, um we're, we're going about to step into a time of uh, the anointing uh, to an anoint, because we want to pray for and we want to anoint every single person in this place. Every single person that wants uh, prayer and anointing, we want to do that for you. So basically what it's going to look like is we're going to have uh, ten, station or 10 stations down the front of prayer teams that will pray for people. And when you come down, they will anoint you or, or smear you with the oil, uh, and then they'll pray for you. They'll pray for your families. They'll pray for your year ahead. And if they're guided as such, uh, they might have a prophetic word for you, a word of knowledge for you. And we've been, I've been talking this whole time about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you have not received that, we wanna give you the opportunity to receive that this morning. We wanna we'll give you the opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we are able to go out into the world to proclaim the Gospel and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So let the team know. Let them know if you haven't received this because we want to pray that God fills you. And lastly, if there is something you're believing for, a healing or a breakthrough in your workplace, in your marriage, in your family, maybe there's a job you're believing for. Whatever it is, let us know because we want to pray for you. Because in Ephesians 3.20, as Lindsay so amazingly brought before, Now to Him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work in us. To Him be the glory. To Him be the glory forever and ever. So um, if the prayer team could come up the front uh, and the host team uh, jump into the aisles, basically what's gonna happen is we're gonna go from the back back row, down to the front row. So the the host team will be there to help uh, direct people, but we want to go from the back to the front because we do not want to miss anyone. But parents, uh, if you would like to go get your kids, because we want to anoint you as a family, as a family unit, because how important are family units? So we want to anoint you all as a family. And then once you grab your kids, when you come back, if your row has been called, join the line. If your row hasn't been called, just jump back into your seats, and and we can wait until your row's been called, so we can get through everyone. And for everyone else, while we're waiting, we're going to worship, because here at Elevation, we are. Our mission statement is: we are to create environments that inspire intimacy with Christ. So we're going to worship. We're going to create an environment that that allows this to take place. That invites Holy Spirit into this place. So let's stand. And host.